you may notice Pastor Brian and Pastor Margaret are not here at the moment. They are in um, Malaysia. They just had uh, a week of conference with also Nick and Sarah, but the conference already um, finished. But um, they are taking a week off to be able to just seeking God and to, you know, because we've received so much from Argentina and, and um, we need time and place, you know, to be able to just digest it all in and to be able to just seek God, what are we going to do for, from now on? So please keep them in, in, in your prayer. You know, I'm sure God's going to reveal some more things to our pastor. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. I'm feeling very um, honored to be able to speak at the last <laughs> Sunday service because um, as you have heard that um, we are going to be one service from next week onward. So um, be prepared, you know, to come early because every time when we have celebration, you know, some people have to end up sitting on the floor. So um, please keep us all in prayer to be able to find a new venue for, you know, the meeting we are at the moment. I'm not sure yet. Uh, we've got a few ideas in mind, but I'm sure God's got a place for us waiting, you know, so we just have to wait and see, all right? Praise God. Do I... Is it started? Okay. Can somebody put it on for me, please? Thank you. What a message this um, tonight, as Dio has already mentioned that um, this morning, um, it was, I believe it was powerful. I don't know what the people thought, but I thought it was powerful. And um, I had really been seeking God a lot about what to share. Um, there seemed to be so many things that, um, you know, from coming back from Argentina and also what God had already been doing in me before that as well, just seemed to be kind of, you know, related. And I believe that, um, um, you know, not just for me personally that God is speaking to, but God wants to bless you, bless the church, the whole church as well, um, about the direction and about the, you know, so many important things that God wants to reveal to us. So tonight, I just want to speak on the topic of us realizing our inheritance through Jesus' sonship. Over the last couple of weeks, it's been great hearing about what God has been doing in the lives of those who went to Argentina. Were you here last couple of weeks ago? Anybody? Was it great? Wasn't it great to see people, you know, full of fire and enthusiasm to serve God and to devote themselves totally to whatever God's plan and purpose is for us, you know, I, I, think, I just think it's just amazing. And I'm telling you what, it's just difficult to, to share in just a few minutes, you know, about what God has done because we can tell you like days and night because it just seemed to be so many things. And um, so um, it's great to, to, to see, you know, people are being impacted. Amen? So I just want to ask you a question. Do you believe with me that God has so much favor upon Phuket, upon this nation that he sees the need for us to get in line with what he is doing around the globe. Amen? 
God wants us to get in line with what He is doing around the globe. We are now in partnership with something which I believe God has been using to bring transformation upon many nations from many different continents. And you can't help but be so proud. You can't help but be so thankful of this privilege that God has placed upon us PCC. And um, you may be visitors tonight, or you may just be coming here now and again, but I just want to tell you that, you know, you're going to feel the move of God. You're going to feel the move of God upon our city, upon this nation. Amen? Because God has already promised us, and we are, you know, getting in line with that. So I believe we're going to see it. Amen? So since, like I said, coming back, I've been seeking God, asking Him to help me digest all of, you know, so many things that God um, had, um, um, been, have, had been giving to us. And one of the main things that we, you know, the, the team who came back from Argentina believed that God really spoke to us about was about the spirit of adoption. And I believe Pastor Brian will be giving you a lot of teaching, um, you know, to all of you concerning spirit of adoption. And uh, I believe that this thing, spirit of adoption, is a significant key that God's going to use to transform this place. Amen? I mean, this is such a significant, significant time right now. Important time right now that we are living in. You know, God's been revealing so many things to the church. And, you know, it's up to us. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to get in line with, with it? Or are we just going to, yeah, it's so great to see so many people being touched by God. That's really nice. You know, it's different. So it's up to us. What are we going to do with this? Let me ask you a question. Why do we think that this world needs to be changed? Why do we sing like songs about transformation, change, transforming? Why? Because we see that there's something wrong with it, right? If we don't see that as anything wrong, when we don't see the need of changing or transforming. We've been living in this um, house, me and my husband. Uh, we rent in the house. And uh, at first, we really liked it. I mean, we still kind of like it now. But uh, we, we've been really enjoying being able to, to rent this place because um, we found it at a very good price, uh, you know, the rental each month. And, um, but lately, it's just been kind of a little bit of a pain because we start to see something wrong with the house, you know. I mean, beside the roof and beside the big hole, after one, one day we uh, got home from, from church and we just discovered, oh, there's a big hole. I could see Venus and see the moon and see the stars. <laughs> Apart from that minor problem, there's something else that's kind of um, making us kind of think maybe we need to kind of think about, you know, fixing this place. Because we noticed a little creature called termite. <laughs> Have you ever had problem with termites, right? They are a pain, real pain. I mean, at night when you sleep, you can still hear this orchestra ding, 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 eating away, you know, and I'm just kind of praying God help protect this place. We keep kind of spraying it, trying to do something to fix it, but it just continue to enjoy our wood. And, um, you know, I hope that by the time we give the house back to the landlady, um, hopefully all that she's got left, not just, you know, the, the um, concrete frame and, you know, 
the, the wood piece is going to be gone. I don't know. So anyway, you know, when God sees the world, what does he see? I believe that when God looks upon this world that he has created, he can see that there are a lot of things wrong. He wants to fix it. He wants to transform it. He sees the world like a big, massive orphanage that tries to run an adoption process without much success. That's because nothing can fulfill the role of the Heavenly Father like our Heavenly Father can. Amen? This is why Jesus had been sent by God the Father into the world to reveal to us more about what the Father and Son relationship is all about. Colossians 1.15 tells us, Christ is the visible likeness of the invisible God. He is the firstborn Son, superior to all created things. Jesus is the firstborn. He is our big brother. Amen? Is he your big brother? I mean, I grew up in a family full of brother and sister, and the eldest one, let me count off um, about six people in the family, so many. And um, being an eldest in the family in Thailand, at least in Thailand, means a little bit more special than that. You have got this honor and privilege to be the one that protects and look after the younger ones. And, you know, all the younger ones come to you when, when they have no money, when they want some counseling when they want to know what to do this, um, you know, how to do that, that kind of thing. If you are the eldest in a family, in, you know, at least in Thailand, you will understand what I'm talking about. So that's something special about being firstborn. And as well as Jesus, you know, he is the firstborn. We are his brothers and sisters, you know. And just imagine him trying to bring as many brothers and sisters as possible back to the Father as the sons, as the daughters of the living God. Just imagine that big, big reunion, you know, that we're going to have together with, with him and with God the Father. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be wonderful. And this is something that the devil knows that he's going to miss out on, Okay? He knows it's going to happen, but he knows that he's going to miss out on. So he tries to prevent mankind from understanding their real root, their real identity in God. Two weeks ago, if um, you came to Kingdom Seeker, it wasn't here, but it actually moved, well, changed the venue a bit. We went up to, the, to, the, to Rank Hill, and uh, we had a time of praying together, and Pastor Brian he said something like this. He said that there's a spirit of orphan in the lives of the people of this city, of this nation, and the devil tries to replace that lack of true father in their lives with different many things like security, education, or even customs and traditions, you know, many more things. But with the authority given to us through the name of Jesus, all of us who were there, we spoke an opposite spirit over our city. We spoke the spirit of adoption. And we prayed for the hearts of the orphans to return to their true father. And if you were there that morning, 
I believe, we believe that it was the historical morning. Amen? It was the historical morning. And um, not just that, last kingdom seeker as well, last Friday, David led and he um, reminded us again about our real identity in God as his children and how we need to live in this new identity in order to see change taking place in us first. You know, our understanding of this truth will affect our walk with God and the world around us in a great measure. If we ourselves get this, you know, it's going to change us like never before. And this change is going to impact our city, our nation, and our world. The best example of the father and son relationship is, of course, seen in the Bible as we read about Jesus and his connection with his father. And it's amazing how many times the phrase son of God, when you read through the gospel or the New Testament, you know, how many times it, it actually appears when you, read, when you read God's word. And this is significant, I believe, because it tells me that God wants us to understand more about the sonship of Christ, what it means to God and what it means to us personally. It tells us that God doesn't take this topic of sonship lightly, but with great emphasis. So I want to say that we can see throughout the life of Jesus that the title Son of God brings a lot of challenge to us, and that's what I want to bring to you tonight. You know, the significance of Jesus' sonship and what it means to us. If we look through different periods in the life of Jesus, we're going to see that intimacy you know, we're going to see the connection and we're going to see how we can learn from that. Even start right at the start of his birth, we see that the title of Jesus, Son of God, it was his birthmark. Before Jesus was born, this title was given to him. It was like a pre-birth mark that would be stamped on this baby. It was going to be the thing that set him apart for God. In Luke 1, 35, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit shall come on you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One which will be born of you shall be called Son of God. See, God the Father wanted Mary and Joseph to know the true identity of this baby, that he was the Son of God. Right at his birth, you know, the world would be blessed with the revelation of the Son of the living God. This baby, he was going to grow up and become so unique, so different from other people. He was going to represent God with the skin on. So what does that tell us? See, for us, we can relate this to our spiritual birth in God. The minute that we decided to believe in Jesus, our spirit is born again. And God the Father gives us the spiritual birthmark. And that spiritual birthmark is children of God. We are His children. And John 1, 12 tells us, you all know, pretty well this verse. But as many as received him, he gave to them 
authority to become the children of God. Tell the person next to you, you are a child of God. Um, do you believe it? Tell them again, you, are, you really are the, the child of God. <laughs> Amen. See, this is our true identity. This is what Jesus came to tell the world. You know, you are a child of God. No longer and often, no longer and often, we no longer have to live by what the world says we are because we've been given the privilege to become part of his family as sons and daughters of the living God. This is something so special. When we know that God is our Father, when we acknowledge that God is our Father, when we've got this truth well established in our hearts, what does it bring? It brings us the freedom to live under the grace of God. See, the devil doesn't want us to have anything to do with the word grace. He doesn't want us to have anything to do with the grace of God. What he wants is for mankind to live under the condemnation of sin. Last Kingdom Seeker, Sir Porn shared about how God wants to set people free from the sins of their forefathers and bring them into a new relationship with God, the Father. And that's what God wants to do in Phuket, in Thailand, in this nation, and in the world. I shared a dream after Sir Pon shared because I thought that, you know, this is like the confirmation. I was going to get up before her, but then she got up before me. So it was kind of related with everything else that David had shared. I shared a dream that night. I had a dream. And uh, it was nothing kind of dramatic or anything like that. But in a dream, you know, I saw the street, the street of, you know, our estate that we, we're living. And um, I saw different people coming in and out of our house, Thai, foreigners. And there was a sense of transformation. I knew, like I knew, like I knew that. And the dream in that place was transformed. People were full of smile. And um, the atmosphere was just different. And one person in the dream, you know, I, I can't remember who, but he just all of a sudden said this to me. He said that old days have gone, old things have gone, new things have come. From now on, things are going to be new kind of thing, you know. And um, it reminded me of this verse in Second um, Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ... That one is a new creator. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. New era is coming, amen? I mean, if God wants us to be free from any false identity that causes us to live under condemnation. God wants to set you free. God said, no longer, no longer, you know, God wants you to come and live under this identity as his children. It's about time new, new things coming into our lives. It's about time new things coming into this place. It's about time new things coming into our nation. 
God wants to transform as the people of God first to truly bring ourselves under the covering grace of God, calling Him Father. See, when we say that, when we call Him Father, you know when we pray Father, you know what it actually carries? When we call Him Father, when we say Father, not just with lip service, but with a total acknowledgement that He is our everything, He is our source of life, He is the source of our strength, our hope, our future, our destiny, our very soul is in His hand and nothing else can take that place of God. Nothing else can fulfill the role of the Father like He can. Is there anything in our lives is there anything in your life that's stopping you from acknowledging God as your father? What's stopping you from accepting this new identity as a child of God? Tonight, God wants to set you free like you said. Tonight, God wants you to see what he can see. The grace of God is available to us all tonight, ready to be poured out on us ready to fill that emptiness that we've been feeling for so long. I encourage you not to miss what the Holy Spirit is doing. I encourage you not to turn away from Him. I encourage you to receive from God what He is saying to you. When we know that God is our Father, when we have that truth established in our heart, it brings a sense of family. It brings a sense of family. When we acknowledge that we have the one and the same Father, that is such a powerful thing. What do I mean by this? I mean, in our earthly family, many children in a family can give parents real hate ache. And I grew up, like I said, in a big family, and a lot of time, you know, sometimes home turned into hell kind of thing, you know, because we had fights and we did different things to annoy each other and, you know, creating all sorts of troubles. But it should be different in God's family, amen? When we acknowledge that we have one father, we are brothers, we are sisters, and even though we may rub each other the wrong way around, you know, so what? We are different, so sometimes we do that now and again. But above all, we know that the love of God, the love of God the Father should reign, should rule above all the disagreements. One of the things that God challenged me very strongly when I was in Argentina was about valuing each other in the family. Valuing um, each other in the family. We are international church, you know. In other words, a big family with so many differences. When we get beyond that culture barrier, when we get beyond the personality differences and apply the family role into our lives, then God, our Father, is glorified. I believe that this is the time God is calling us to connect with each other in a deeper level like never before. Because if God talks to us about spirit of adoption, 
being the children of God, more to come is that we're going to have to connect with other child of God as well. Esilv also said something while we were in Argentina that really had been staying with me. He said, a lot of time we value each other for what we do and not who we are. I mean, that is sadly true. God doesn't look at us that way, praise him. If he was to value us for what we have done, we would then be of no value. We wouldn't be sitting here. But because he chooses to value us for who we are as his children, and he has given us the privilege of enjoying our new identity in him. A story in the Bible that Jesus shares, a parable, the parable of the workers in the vineyard in Matthew chapter 20. And um, you probably remember this. Jesus was talking about the vineyard owner and uh, he was going out to find workers for his vineyard. He went out early in the morning and find a group of people. He told them, come and work for my vineyard. I'm going to pay you 100 baht. So they come. And then about lunchtime, afternoon time, he went out again. And um, he said, you know, he found another group of people. You come and work with me. I'm going to pay you accordingly, you know. And then in the evening, he went out again. He saw another group of people. They were kind of jobless, not having anything to do. So he said, come and work for me in my vineyard. So they came. An evening came. And he called all the workers in. And he gave them the payment, the wages. Basically, everyone got the same. So, the first group of workers got annoyed. How come? I worked so hard, so long, you know, longer hours than all the, all the other workers. How come I only got the same hundred baht? That's not fair. So, what did the um, uh, vineyard owner say? I pay you according to what I said. And I have the right to pay whatever I want to. And I mean, when we read that at first glimpse... And we kind of think, that's not fair. Right? Be honest, we do think like that when we read this story. But I believe that's something deeper that God wants us to get into. See, more often than not, we tend to assume that God's standard is according to how much we've done, how much success we've got, how much that person has done in order to be loved and accepted. I mean, does it really matter? Don't get me wrong. I value good quality. You know, you have to try your best for God, for Jesus. But God wants us to understand that he has his own standard called family. Family with him as father. And in God's family, God values us all the same. We are his children. We are his sons and daughters of the living God. God wants us to serve him, not with the spirit of serving for reward, but out of love for God and for each other. See, for this rule to work properly, it's got to start with us accepting this birthmark. If we're still struggling with accepting God as Father, we will struggling, we will struggle accepting other people as well. It's not just going to affect you, it's going to affect the whole family. So let's examine our hearts, what he is saying to us. 
Let's look at the next point in Jesus' life. We looked at his birth, at his baptism. The title Son of God points people to God the Father. In Matthew chapter 3, we can see that immediately after Jesus was baptized in water, God's voice came from heaven and said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. What was the Father doing? I mean, when the minute that God the Father said this, I believe it was a strategic moment. When God the Father said it, He was pointing to the world and to the people to see God Himself through Jesus. It was as if He was saying, this man is not just any good man. This man is in a relationship with me. He is my son. He carries my heart. He carries my passion. He carries my DNA. So now that you see him, you see me, said the Father. God the Father affirmed Jesus' position as son of God. Jesus didn't need to be promoted by anybody else. He didn't even need to promote himself before he began his ministry. It was the Father himself who gave him recognition at his ordination. So what about us? See, when we truly become the children of God, our lives will then reflect Father's heart. There's a saying in English, I hope I got this, like father, like son, right? You have that saying. Well, there's a saying in Thai as well. Uh, in Thai, we say, Luk mai lon, mai ton, which means kind of our fruits never fall far from the tree itself, right? If you have mango tree, the mango fruit so not going to fall 500 meters away from the tree. That's going to be weird. I mean, that's, that doesn't happen. And I said, except on mango tree, because they disappear every time he's able to pick them. But disappear like how many meters or kilometers, who knows. So what am I saying here? What am I trying to get over to you? Fruits never fall far from the tree itself. Like father, like son. In the Bible, there's a saying as well. We know it very well in John 15, 1 to 8. I'm kind of, um, you know, shorting it. So let's just look together. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every one that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it remains in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you. In this my father is glorified. Underlined. In this, my Father is glorifying that you bear much fruit, so you shall be my disciples. When we are closely connected with Jesus, Jesus will reveal to us what it's like to be in the relationship with our Heavenly Father. When we commune with Jesus on a daily basis, He will draw us closer to the Father as Jesus' brothers and sisters. He will help us to get to know the Father better as a son, as a daughter. See, John 17 has 
given me the new revelation so much that it just like I mean I was going to preach on it but it just seems so many things and um, I believe this is how God arranged it so um, John 17 as you know is a prayer of Jesus he prayed for himself he prayed for the disciples and then he prays for believers for us and um, it's so amazing in this chapter so much to learn from I mean it doesn't just show the intimacy and the oneness between Jesus and the Father but as you read it it also reflects Jesus' heart desire to want to see us to be closely connected with the Father as well. John 17, um, 21 to 24, this is what he prayed. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me, and I have given them the glory which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those whom you have given me, that they may be with me where I am, that they may be, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. A fantastic prayer. That's the kind of prayer Jesus is praying for you at, right at this very minute. See, when we're closely connect, connected with the Father, we'll start to see something amazing happen. We'll see that more of the Father, less of ourselves. More of the Father, less of ourselves. More of the Father, less of ourselves. To put it in a biblical way, like John said, that you may increase, that I may decrease. That you may increase, that I may decrease. We will start to act like a father. Having Jesus as our prime example as the firstborn who guides us, who corrects us, who encourages us. We'll start to talk like the Father. We'll start to walk like the Father. We'll start to think like the Father. And even our heart will start to beat like the Father's heart. Feel that song coming. Oh, silly song, really. You know that song? You walk like an angel, something like that. Oh, never mind. <laughs> See, we may not have the voice from the heaven like Jesus to accompany us or to confirm our likeness like Jesus, but somebody surely has got to notice something in us and say, that's thing in you, you know, whatever you have, I want it. Surely somebody has got to notice. If somebody never mentioned, or if somebody got so surprised after knowing you for 10 years and still, you know, wow, are you a Christian, really? I never knew that before. I mean, that's like, okay, mm, you know. You know what I mean? See, I wonder, I wonder, are you like your father? Does your life point people to him? Do you carry the passion that your father carries? Does your heart beat like his so that you could hear his heart's cry? Are you in love with your heavenly father tonight? 
let us each consider the state of our heart right now. Let the Holy Spirit minister to us. What you are listening tonight might be the very, very thing that is missing in your spirit that you've been trying to fill for so long. God wants to fill that hole. God wants to minister to you. God wants to do something in you that's going to cause you to be so transformed and bring you up to the next level with him. Let's look at the next point of Jesus' life. Throughout his ministry, we see that the devil tempted Jesus on this very identity as the Son of God. In Matthew um, chapter 4, 1 to 11, we read about the temptation. See, soon after Jesus had been baptized, we read that Satan came to tempt Jesus. And what did he start off with? I'm not going to read all of, all of it. You should know this very well. He started off twice. He said, if you are the Son of God. Sounds very evil. I didn't think I could be that evil. Anyway. If you are the Son of God. Blah, blah, blah. That's what he started off with saying. But the third temptation recorded in the same events, the devil tempted Jesus to renounce his sonship by kneeling down to worship him with an offer of what? And this is very significant. With an offer of the kingdoms of the world. But Jesus firmly rejected the offer and depended upon his father for his promotion through his humble obedience. Are you getting what I'm trying to pass on to you? See, later on, before he was put to death, again, he, we have here the high priest accused Jesus of bla um, blaspheming when Jesus accepted that he was the Son of God. We can read it in Matthew chapter 26, 63. And the high priest answered and said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. We can see the attack the enemy is doing here upon the title, upon the identity of Jesus. Even on the cross, what happened? You see, the Son of God learned. However, he learned obedience through the suffering. Let's look together. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 40, the people who were passing by were mocking him when he was on the cross. They are saying, you destroying the temple and building it in three days. Save yourself. If you are the son of God, then come down from the cross. Matthew 27 verse 43. Same as the chief priests and the scribes. They said, he trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. So we can see here how Jesus' identity was challenged on several occasions. The enemy tried to take away this very thing from him. I mean, they thought they could shut him up and stop people from believing that he is truly the son of God by putting him on that cross. But with God's wisdom, what happened? 
What happened at the cross? At his death. Something that just blew my mind. At his death, the revelation that Jesus was the Son of God was revealed to the Gentile when the guy in, um, in uh, if we can read in Matthew chapter 27, 54, talks about the centurion. The centurion and those guarding Jesus, seeing the earthquake and the things that took place, they feared greatly, saying, truly, truly, this one was Son of God. The revelation of the Son of God came to this Gentile right at that very moment. All of a sudden, it was just revealed to him. Even though the, uh, the devil, Satan, tried to, you know, preventing people from understanding this, but nothing can stop the plan and purpose of God. Hebrew 5, is it on? No, Galatian, sorry. Go back. All right. In Hebrew chapter 5 verse 8, But even though he was God's son, he learned through his suffering to be obedient. What kind of example that, you know, this is a kind of example that we can follow. So we can see that even though Jesus was attacked and challenged on his sonship, he overcame it. And as a result, he's been given honor as God's firstborn, risen from the dead, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and has been given power and authority to reign and to rule. What an awesome God we have. That's why we have the reason to celebrate, to remember Jesus on the cross. What do we learn from this example? See, throughout our walk with God, we will face with many challenges to do with our sonship in God. And this is why again and again and again we read about our sonship. You know, the Bible puts so much emphasis on the topic of us being the children of God. And we need to be reminded again and again that we belong to Him and that the devil cannot do anything to take away this identity from us. As Jesus could overcome was Satan came lurking to trap him. But we too can have that victory in God. Amen? We're not just sons and daughters of God. The better news I have tonight, we are heirs as well. In Galatians chapter 4, 6 to 7, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Pa, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, also an heir of God through Christ. That's what you are. In Romans chapter 8, 16 to 17, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Wow. You know, heirs of the Most High God. That should make us feel blessed. That should make us feel honored. That should make us feel really special tonight. If you came to church with face like this, you're going to go out with face like this. 
realize your true identity. Realize who you are in God. See, if Jesus is heir, then we are his joint heirs. That means that's inheritance waiting for us, right? God, the Father, doesn't dangle the carrot in front of us and make us run in circle like me and Dev do to our dog all the time. We don't use carrot, we use something else. And God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. He has the promise of inheritance waiting for us. Jesus, being the son, the father promised something great. I want to, I mean, notice tonight I've been giving you so many passages from the Bible. I want the word of God itself to speak to you. In Philippians, oh, whoa, sorry, why did that go? Okay, Philippians 2, 6 to 11, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, underline, therefore, God has highly exalted him and has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of heavenly ones, of earthly ones, and of ones under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. What do you think the Bible is talking about here? It talks about his kingdom and his reign. Satan could not tempt him by offering him the kingdoms of this world because Jesus had already known that the Father had already got it sorted out. He got the will sorted out for Jesus. He had nothing to worry about. Isaiah chapter 9, 6 to 7, well-known passage. This is talking about Jesus. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And what? The government shall be on his shoulder. And, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. There is no end of the increase of his government and peace on the throne of David and on his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgments and with justice from now on, even forever. The zeal of Jehovah of hosts will do this. Are you getting what I'm trying to tell you here? I mean, the Father has promised the Son the kingdom. He wants the Son to reign with him. That's the kind of inheritance God the Father has for Jesus. I've been so challenged by Psalm chapter 2 lately. and challenged by so many passages lately. For Psalm chapter 2, I had started to read it with the new glasses. I mean, this class is still new, but even with the newer glasses. And God really just been revealing something very important about, you know, the relationship between God the Father and Jesus the Son. And um, Psalm chapter 2, 7 to 8 tells us, I mean, this is the messianic psalm, as you probably know, and it refers to, um, even though the, the David wrote it, but actually it's the messianic psalm, means, you know, the father is actually talking to the son. We can see that conversation here. And um, here is what Jesus said, I will declare the decree of Jehovah. He has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. 
ask of me and I shall give the nations for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. Hallelujah. I mean, I used to read it and thought, you know, to myself, yeah, God tell us to ask, so we ask, we ask. But actually, you know what? God had already promised Jesus himself to ask. So all that we have to do, we come under the authority of Jesus and ask because Jesus is already interceding for us, asking for nations. It's what Jesus has been doing. He's been interceding, he's been praying, he's been asking for nations. And if we are supposed to be in the same family as him, then that's what God wants us to do too. We can ask for our inheritance, which is what? Nations. Go back. Kingdoms and nations. Nations are our inheritance too. Amen? Do you believe that? Amen? Nations are our inheritance too. This is why we've been doing the transformational stuff. I mean, you know, some of you just thinking these churches, you know, get into something very kind of different. But you know what? It's all been in the Bible for so long. And now God has revealed it to us. God wants us to reach out, not just to our city, but, you know, not just to our region, not just to our country, but nations. It is the the desire of God the Father to give us this inheritance. What an awesome promise is that. So rise up. Rise up, children of God. Rise up to the next level. God wants to take you to the higher ground as we have already sung. God wants us to go up to the next level, to the higher ground, where more faith is going to be needed, where you are going to see what your Father wants you to see, where you are going to believe for the kingdom of God to come, not just into your family, your home, your office, your estate, but your city, the nation, and the world. Put on that true identity as heirs of God through Christ. Receive the heart of the Father now. Listen to his heartbeat right now. Revelation Chapter 11, two verses I want to end with. Chapter 11, verse 15, just imagine this. And there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign, he will reign forever and ever. We are blessed with what's going to happen already. We know already, so whatever the enemy tried to make you doubt, don't let him do it because we've got the last chapter in the book. Then we see why. This is why Jesus was challenged so many times on the issue of being the son of God. Are you trying, I mean, I'm trying to make you understand here. Satan is afraid to lose his kingdom to the son of God, but nothing he can do about it Because God has already declared it as a verdict from the Father. Amen? Chapter 21, verse 24. And the nations of those who are saved will walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor into it. 
Heidi presented us last Sunday, last Sunday I think, with a question after she gave her testimony. That question was, what, what the nation of Thailand is going to bring to God? What are we going to bring to God? What is this nation going to bring to God? Remember, she said that. I don't know if you have been kind of pondering upon that, but I have really been thinking about that. And just, you know, this afternoon, something really just came to me and just, you know, God reminded me of what is Thailand known for. And uh, I'm thinking, God, let me think of smile. Because Thailand is known a lot for the land of smile, right? I mean, even I went to the other corner of the world, I mean, people still tell me, Thailand is a land of smile, right? And if you are visitors here, you probably yeah, agree with that because um, people are quite friendship. Until you kind of live here for a longer period of time, then you kind of think, what's behind that smile? Come on, tell me the tr real truth. You want, your, you want my money? Are you after something? You understand what I'm trying? I'm not putting my own people down, but you know, there's something that kind of, you, you, can, you can feel it. And uh, God really just challenged me. God wants to see real smile putting on the faces of people. Real smile on orphans. Real smile on widows. Real smile on, on kids who come from broken homes. Real smile on, on even the rich and the poor smiling at each other. The smile that is not fake, the smile that hasn't got the second agenda, but the smile that comes from the joy, from the confidence, knowing that they have been lovingly adopted by the Father and now they are the children of God. And we, kings, kings of the nation, maybe that's what God wants us to bring to Him, the glory of this nation, nation of Thailand. To God. Let God speak to you. Let God reveal this to you. Let the Spirit of God move in your heart. Jesus' sonship gives him authority and power over the earth. Same as, same as us. When we realize our sonship in God, we can be confident in our inheritance. And great is our inheritance. Let's bow together in prayer, shall we? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father God, thank you that you have revealed yourself to me on a new level that I had never experienced before. And I believe that you have been doing that to these people, Lord God. You said to me at the beginning of the service, Lord God, you said that these people is going to receive food from heaven. Food from heaven. Father God, and I believe that I have delivered that, Lord God, in submission to you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that this food from heaven will come and fill their hunger right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, you will come and move in our hearts, right at this moment. Father God, we realize that there are so many orphans trying to put brave face on, Lord God, around us in the world, in this town, in this city, on this country, Father. But you are feeling the pain. You are feeling 
that pain in your heart, seeing your children lost, lost because of the power of sin that has damaged their real identity, Father. But I just pray, God, I know that it starts with us tonight. And I thank you, Lord, that I have found you as my Father. And you fulfill even the role that my earthly father could not fulfill. And I thank you for that privilege of being called a child of God. I pray that everyone, each and every one of us here tonight, will understand, will get hold of this very truth that will transform them, change them, and bring them to the higher level with you, Lord. I pray that if inside of us we are still feeling lost, and that's a cry of often in our hearts tonight, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, will just come and touch us at that very area, Lord God, deep down. In Jesus' name, minister, bring your healing power right now. I want to ask you, do you need that healing power from God like you said tonight? As she has already said, you're going to feel that power from God. And when you go out, you know that you have been touched. Are you in need of that healing in this area? Come on, just tell God. Raise your hand up to God. Yes, Lord, I need you. Come and touch me. Come and help me. Come and heal me. Make me whole with you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Reach out to God tonight. Ask God to touch you. Ask God to minister to you. Oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us into the family. Lord Jesus, we now, your brothers and sisters, we thank you, Lord, that now, Lord God, we don't have to be an orphan any longer. We don't have to live with the false identity any longer, Lord. Lord, put on us that new clothes, the clothes of being your children in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, we praise your name, Lord. Father, help us to realize our inheritance that we have together with you. And that's so great, together with our big brother, Jesus. I know you are sitting at the right hand of the Father and you're looking upon us tonight. You're smiling at us. You're smiling at us, Lord God. Just help us, Father God, not to miss out from what you are saying, not to miss out from this very inheritance. Help us, O oh God, not just to think or to dream, small dream. Help us, O oh God, to have the dream, to learn to dream big, to dream like what you are dreaming, Jesus. To ask like what you are asking. To intercede like what you are interceding. Lord Jesus, just help us now, Lord. Minister to us, Lord. Father, I pray you will put faith into each and every one of us tonight. Father God, Lord God, I pray that in, in this area of going out or stepping out, there might be something that try to kind of uh, hold them back. I pray freedom, 
Freedom, Lord God, upon all these people, upon this church. Freedom, oh God, in order for us to reach out and go up to the next level with you. Lord God, to believe that great is our inheritance. Great is our inheritance. We thank you, Lord, for your promise. We thank you that we are co-heirs, joint heirs with you, Jesus. I pray that we will not submit to anything less. We will not submit or subject to anything less. Help us as a body of Christ to live a real sense of family. Lord God, to show the world that when we are one, then they will see you as our Father. We bless your name. We glorify your name. Let your name be glorified. Let your name be praised, Jesus, King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let this word bless you. And um, I'm sure Pastor Brian has things along the same line or even deeper stuff to share with you. So hopefully this will be like an, you know, an order or introduction. So um, bless you all and enjoy the refreshment. And see you at Kingdom Seeker on Wednesday morning at 6 and next Sunday 10.30 or come at 10 if you want to see it. Bless you all. Good night. God bless.